Well, good morning, everybody. How we doing? Anybody still full of turkey? You know, it's better to be full of turkey than something else. What y'all think I'm talking about? Yeah, like beef or, you know, y'all could be eating like, I don't know, a chicken. Um, did y'all see the thing on Facebook? It was the chicken. He said, y'all eat me 365 days a year, but I don't get no chicken day. Nobody says happy chicken day. The poor chicken, right? Well, hey, welcome to our Savior's Church this morning. Uh, this is your first time with us. We, we just ask you to do one thing for us today. If you'll just grab this Connect card sometime during the service, if you'll just fill it out. And then at the end of the service, when the offering basket is passed, you can just place that in a basket for us. And that way we have a record of you being with us. If you put your phone number or your email address, we'd love to connect with you uh, sometime during the week just to tell you hi, see how you're doing, and see if there's anything that we can do for you. So welcome to our Savior's Church. By the way, we're one church with three locations, uh, Jennings, Eunice, and Crowley. And so God's been doing some amazing things in all of our campuses. And so I'm glad that you're with us this morning. I hope that you're time so far with us has been good and that your experience has been well and so man how about that worship team come on somebody man man love me some worship team well this morning we're going to continue with our series uh three steps to victory last week we kicked off a series titled three steps to victory and i believe there's three very distinct steps that we can all take to give us victory in our lives. How many of you would say, I'd like to have some victory? Uh, maybe there's an area, okay, about half of you. The rest of you just love being defeated. Um, how many of you would say that there's, an, there's at least one area in my life that I could use some victory in? Show of hands. Come on. I want to make sure I'm preaching the right message to the right church. Okay. So last, last Sunday, we kicked the series off with a message titled, Stop Believing Lies. Uh, it was a good message. I would, I would encourage you to go back online to oscconnect.com. And, and listen to that previous message if you weren't here. It's, it's, don't, it's Stop Believing Lies is the title of the message. And uh, I would encourage you to listen to that one because that one's going to tie into this one today. Three steps to victory. First step is to stop believing lies. So we talked last week about how we have to push back against the enemy. How we need to push back against our current thought processes and how we think and, and the things that we believe. How many of you would say, I sometimes believe some crazy stuff? How many of you would agree it's good that nobody else can get in my head? I didn't ask you to raise your hands, but that's okay. <laughs> but, but today, I want to continue with that series. I believe this, this step two is very important because when I'm looking at a church and I'm looking at a congregation and, I, and, and the Bible calls me a shepherd, I want to make sure that the flock is good. So my heart's desire is that the flock, that you, that belong to OSC, would be healthy. That's my heart. That's my goal. I want to make sure that you're healthy. First, I've got to make sure I'm healthy. Because if I'm not healthy, I can't help you be healthy, right? If I'm sick, I make, if I got the flu, you get the flu. So the title of today's message is Stay in the Word. Now, before you think this is just a message about the Bible and you check out, I don't want you to do that. I'm just going to tell you, stop believing the lies. This isn't a message just about reading your Bible. I'm going to show you something today about the importance of God's word and how we can take this second step to get victory in our lives. How many of you would know, I want to start with a question, why would a believer walk away from the Father for any amount of time? Why would a believer, a Christian, walk away from the Father 
for any amount of time, like, a, like years, months, weeks, days, hours, minutes. Because here's the truth, all of us do. Okay, look at me. All of us walk away from the Father at times and for various amounts of time. So before we try to pass judgment on other people or think ourselves and, and walk in pride and say, well, I never walk away from the Father, just realize that all of us do at times. But why would we do that? You see, we've got a natural instinct. We've got a natural thing inside of us that wants to do and it wants to follow whatever we think, whatever we want, and whatever we feel. Make sense? Come on, how many of you know there's days you just do whatever you think is right? There's days you just do whatever you want to do. Come on. Sometimes you do whatever you feel like doing. Right or wrong? Right? And if it's wrong, (laughs) it usually gets you in trouble. Most of the time when I do what I want, it leads to places I don't really want to be. Make sense? Babies are a good example of this. Babies just follow whatever they feel. If you see an infant who's still maybe on its mother's milk or a bottle of some sort, and that baby just, it feels things, it maybe thinks things, or it wants certain things, and when it wants it, what does it do? It gets uncomfortable. It starts to cry. It gets irritated, irritable. Uh, I think that's the first expression of hangry is is in an infant, right? We can see it most clearly there. And if you just look at that, then you can look at yourself and say, I don't act much different than a baby when I get hangry. Uh, but, but, But when a baby wants something, what does it do? It wants it now, right? And so many times we're the same way. We want what we want. We think what we think and we feel what we want to feel and we let that lead our lives. And because of that, it takes us to places that we now need victory in. So all of us are made of three parts, the spirit, the soul, and the body. We are three-part humans, spirit, soul, and body. I'll show it to you in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, And the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground, the body, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, the spirit, and the man became a living what? Soul. So we're made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. There's three parts that make us up, and you need to understand that. One part of me is body, one part of me is spirit, one part of me is soul. Make sense? You tracking with me? I'm going to need you to shake your heads with me today, because this may not be a shout-me-down message, but I just need to know that you're connecting with me. So your body, God gave us a body so that we can relate to his creation, to, to the environment, to all the things that have been created, so we can enjoy swimming and hiking, and so that we can just relate and connect with creation. Then he gave us a soul uh, to relate with him and with his creation. So think about this. The body was given to us, and all it does is relate to, cre- to creation, Without the soul, it's just relating to the creation. But with the soul, it's beginning to relate to God and to creation. And then he gives us a spirit, which is, is there to relate totally to him. Make sense? So watch this. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and they sinned, what did Satan tell Eve? 
Satan tempted her to, to take the fruit from the tree that they were commanded not to eat from. What did Eve say? She said, God said, if I eat this, I'm going to die. What did he say? You will not die. He lied to her. But what neither one of them understood was what kind of death God was talking about. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they didn't die a physical death. They died a spiritual death. Their spirit was alive, but now it, it, it was dead because of the sin. So they did die that day. They died physically years later, but that day they died spiritually. And mankind from that point on has been born and, and grew up with a dead spirit. That's why Jesus came along, and that's why we make this statement when you're saved, that you don't go from being bad to good, you go from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. So Jesus didn't die to make bad people good, he died to make spiritually dead people come alive. Make sense? Because your spirit needed to be revived. So Paul says this, you were dead in your trespasses and your sin, so you were born so before you were born again, you're, you're dead spiritually. You were born with a dead spirit. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Listen to the first part of that verse. I came so that they could have what? Life. Jesus wants you to come alive. He wants the spirit inside of you to come alive. That's what he's after. Because otherwise, you're just being led by your soul. Make sense? So Jesus is the one who gives life. So before we give our lives to Jesus, honestly, we're just existing. We're just kind of doing whatever we want to do. Come on, somebody. You know what it was like before you gave your life to Jesus, and you know what it's like when you walk away from Jesus, right? You tend to be led by your soul. So up until the point of salvation, we're just existing and we're relating to God, watch this, only through our minds. So you know God only intellectually. Before salvation, while your spirit is dead, you just know God through your mind. Which is pretty cool in itself because the mind is a pretty, a pretty fascinating thing. In fact, there will never be a computer invented or created that can outdo what the mind does. Some of you call yourself dumb all the time, but what you need to realize is that you're really smart and you're really intelligent and you've been uniquely made. The mind is a fascinating thing. The mind is always collecting data. So when you go through life experiences, the mind is collecting all these things, things that you see, things that you feel, things that you smell, things that you hear. It's collecting all this data and it's starting to store it up. And some of you are thinking, oh, yeah, well, where is it at? <laughs> it's in your subconscious. Your mind is it's, 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 it's collecting all this data. It's a wonderful thing. So our soul is made up of three parts. Our soul is made up of the mind, the will, and the emotions. So this mind that you have is part of your soul. Your soul consists of mind, will, and emotions. Your mind, what we think. Your will, what we want. And your emotions, what we feel. You might want to write this down if you're taking notes. We always get in trouble 
when we follow our soul. And you know this to be true. We always get in trouble when we follow our soul, what we think, what we want, and what we feel. So number one, if you're taking notes this morning, which I hope you are, the soul is selfish. The soul is selfish. I was born again at the age of 12, and my spirit came alive at 12 years old. So previous to 12, my spirit was dead. I just did whatever I felt like. At the age of 12, when I gave my life to Jesus, and it was a genuine conversion where I gave my life to Jesus, I was born again like the Bible says. The spirit inside of me came alive, and then something crazy happened. A war started inside of me. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The soul inside of me only wants to please itself. It doesn't want to please anybody else. It just wants to please me. Feed me. It's how you felt before Thanksgiving, but not how you felt after Thanksgiving. Right? Feed me. A baby wants what it wants, but watch this. A baby doesn't care about anything else or anybody else. The soul is the same way. You see, a baby doesn't care if mama's ready to feed it. Come on, mamas. The baby doesn't care if the time is right. The baby doesn't care if all the other kids need some help. The baby doesn't care if supper's not ready. The baby doesn't care if mama's sick, right? The baby wants what it wants. Why? Because it's selfish. It cries. It throws a fit until it gets what it wants. So up to this point, we're limited in how we understand God. Very limited. Only intellectually. And that's a very lonely place to be, where you only know God here. Or you can only understand God like you understand math. So our mind stores all this information, it keeps track of things, it, 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 it stores it, categorizes it, puts it in different places. You ever, you ever come across somebody and see them for the first time and you just instantly don't like them? You don't have to raise your hand. But like you ever meet somebody for the first time and you don't like them? I wish you could raise your hands. Because I just want to feel like I'm not the only one. You ever wonder why you don't like them? Could it be that there's something in your mind, in your storage, that your mind's bringing back up, that, that for some reason this person looks familiar, there's something similar about them, there's something about them. They didn't do you anything wrong, but you met them and you don't like them, but it's because your mind's bringing up all these memories to help you realize that there, there was somebody like this person, somebody similar to this person that either hurt you or upset you or embarrassed you in the past, and because that person is familiar to that other person, I don't like them. Isn't that crazy? You know, it's really important what we feed our minds. It's really important what we believe. It's really important what we watch. It's really important what we listen to. Because we're feeding something. So number one, the soul is selfish. 
Getting back to the mind, though, you know what's crazy about, about addiction sometimes is addiction can seem like it's very hard to break, can't it? How many of you would say there's, there's some things I've been addicted to? It may not be a drug or an alcohol, but something that you're addicted to that you just had to wrestle and had a hard time breaking in your life. It could be because there's something in your mind that's in your heart now that needs to be changed. There, there's something that needs to be renewed. The Bible calls it a stronghold. When you have something in your mind and in your heart that you believe, that whether it's true or it's not true, the Bible calls it a stronghold. And the only way you break a stronghold is by renewing your mind. It's making your mind new again. It's all throughout Scripture. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. Have the mind of Christ. How do you do that? Well, it doesn't just happen instantly. You can't have one Bible study and then boom, stronghold's broken. It can happen, but it doesn't always happen that way. One Bible study doesn't always break addiction. But it's a stronghold. The definition of a stronghold is a place where a particular cause or belief is strongly defended or upheld. Now the reason why we need to be consistent in God's word because our minds need to be renewed. That's why counseling can be so important. Is because a good counselor, a good Christian counselor will take you back to places in your mind. They'll spend the time and the effort and the energy with you, bringing you back to a place where the lie was believed or the, the thing happened. And then they'll bring truth to that situation and then walk you out of it new. Amen? So number one, the soul is selfish. Number two, the soul must submit to the spirit. The soul must submit to the spirit. Paul said in Romans chapter 9, he gave us a principle. It's an Old Testament principle, but it's still a true principle for us today. It's a spiritual principle. And it's this in chapter 9, verse 12 of Romans. It says, it was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. Paul was referring back to Jacob and Esau. And their mother, when, when their, their mother was told that the older shall serve the younger, the older son shall serve the younger son. It's a principle. You see, when you were born, your soul was alive. So it's like your soul was the firstborn. It's the older. But when you were born again, your spirit came alive, and it's the younger. But the Bible says the, the older shall serve the younger. So the soul should submit to the spirit. Y'all tracking with me? It's almost like your soul was the firstborn and your spirit was the secondborn. Make sense? And what the Bible is saying and what Paul's bringing out is that your, second, your firstborn is going to serve your secondborn. Which means this. Simply put, your soul needs to serve your spirit. It needs to submit to your spirit. You've been with your soul longer than you've been with your spirit. But your soul needs to submit to your spirit. You see, at the age of 12, when I gave my life to Jesus, my spirit came alive. It woke up, it came back to life, or it came alive, and it said to my soul, I'm in charge now. And my soul, being the good, generous person it is, said, okay, sounds good to me. Whatever. What happened? The soul said, oh, yeah? Not without a fight. 
So what's going on inside of us is this battle between the spirit and the soul. The soul wants its way, its way, and the spirit wants its way. And one of them's going to have to submit, and one of them's going to have to die. But that's why there's a struggle inside of you. And you can start to tell the difference in who you're following. My soul, my spirit says, son, you need to lay your life down for Cheryl. You know what my soul says? He doesn't say, yeah, that's a good idea. No. You know what he says? You need to give her a piece of your mind and you need to remind her who's boss. (laughs) Right? And after all the dust settles, we still know who the boss is. Come on, somebody. All the men should have said amen. But my spirit says, lay down and die. My soul says, no, defend yourself and pick yourself back up in a position of pride and command something from somebody that you haven't even earned yet. If you have two dogs and you feed one and not the other, the one you feed will always rule over the one that is starving. You have a soul living inside of you, and if you're born again, you have a spirit living inside of you. Which one are you feeding? Because whichever one you're feeding is the stronger one. How do you get out of chaos? How do you have victory in your life? You need to feed the right things in your life. That's a good place to say amen. You need to feed them the right things. You see, what we watch on TV or we read on the internet can either feed our spirit or it can feed our soul. That's why I say you got to be careful what you're bringing in. I'm not trying to pass down this old religious doctrine that you need to unplug the TV and you know, I'm not trying to do that, but I want to tell you that there is a real issue with what we watch and what we listen to and what we let in. Some of you, your kids are struggling severely because they're watching what you're watching. And they're not old enough, mature enough, or ready to handle the information they're getting. When we go to work at the elementary schools in town, if you'll sit for a minute and listen to these kids, they know more than I knew at 20 years old, and they're only about eight or nine. And if you're not careful, they might teach you something. It's scary what kids know today. We have to guard what comes in. Because you see, if you don't have any filters or any parameters or any gates in your, in your heart and your mind and what's coming in and out, then, then you, you just leave the gates wide open and, and the enemy comes in and out and does what he wants. And then you, you wonder why you struggle to believe lies and you wonder why you live a life that doesn't ever seem to gain victory. And we'll turn around and point people, we'll point at circumstances, we'll point at situations, we'll make excuses, but we're the ones that are at the gate. It's important. The soul must submit to the spirit. David is a perfect example of this. David used to talk to his soul. Get this now, this is really crazy. David used to talk to his soul. There was times David told his soul to praise God. One time he told his soul, he said, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Another time he told his soul to to not be discouraged. No, you don't be discouraged. Then there's other times he told his soul to be quiet. I wonder if we can take from David the principle of speaking to our soul. 
No, I'm not going to believe that. That is a lie. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, even when I don't feel like it. When your soul is saying, no, don't go to church. Stay in bed. It's warm. You had a hard week. You don't have to go to church. You at least go once a month. It's okay. You're not going to go to hell for it. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Get your butt out of bed and go to church. Just one example. Won't go to church, but you want victory. Listen to Psalms 131, verse 2. It captures David speaking to his soul. So powerful. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Last Sunday's message, we talked about the power of your words and how we need to quit speaking or repeating the lies that we're hearing. I wonder if that's because we're speaking to our own soul. If you tell it you're a crazy wreck, then it's going to say, oh yeah, baby, we are crazy wreck. Let's have some fun. I'm stressed out. I'm done. So I was like, yes, come a good time tonight. We'll call some chaos. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul. Then he uses this example, like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. How do you wean a child? If, he's on, if, if, if the child is on its, its mother's milk, then all you're doing is you're just remo- removing its source of strength, its food source. You're removing it, its source or you're removing it from the source. And, and do they like it? No, they don't like it, guys. They don't like it. Okay. The women are like, yeah, they don't like it. It's a numbskull. I mean, we've done this before. What happens, though? It doesn't just say, okay, well, what's the next food? You're taking it from a source that brings comfort, a source that it's familiar with, a source that, that up to this point has given it strength, a source that has given it life and growth, and you're taking it from that, and you're giving it something else. And it kicks, screams, and hollers. Listen to what Paul said. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. Mere infants in Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you were still not ready. You take this message today, and you start applying it to your life today, and all of a sudden, the soul inside of you is going to start to holler. It's going to start to scream. I'll show you you exactly how it is. This is how it works. The minute you say you're going to get on a diet... Everything that comes on TV looks good, right? You've passed by that restaurant a hundred times over the last year, and you never smelled what they were cooking. But the minute you decided to get something under control, you're driving by and you're going, and you might make the block and make another round. You see, when a child is weaned, It cries and throws a fit, watch this, because it thinks you're trying to kill it. 
You're taking away my source of life. You're taking away everything that I've known up to this point. You're trying to kill me. No, I'm trying to give you life. Amen? So number one, the soul is selfish. Number two, the soul must submit to the spirit. And then number three, the soul must die. It must die. It's got to come to a place of death. Those selfish thoughts, selfish desires, and selfish emotions that run loose inside of us, they need to die. Say amen. They need to die. You need to die. You need to die to self. That's a term hardly anybody uses in the church world anymore. That you need to die. You need to die to self. I'll never forget, we had a lady come in one Sunday, band's playing. I'm in the kitchen. We were at one service back in those days. She comes in, she goes, Pastor, I, I, I almost killed myself last night. Can you talk to me? I said, yeah, I got about five minutes. You need to die. So, yes, you need to die. She's like, I bet she was saying, well, what kind of church did I walk into? You need to die and let Christ live inside of you. Gave her a brief explanation, said, that's all I got. I'll meet you after service. We all need to die. What we want, what we think, and what we feel, it really doesn't matter. Watch this verse in Hebrews. It gives a very good explanation. You'll, you'll, you'll recognize verse 12, but you may not recognize verse 13. So let me show you verse 12. For the word of God is, is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Recognize that verse? The word of God is living and powerful is what, he, what Paul's saying, or, or the writer's saying. It's living and powerful. Then watch how it compares the word of God. It compares the word of God to a double-edged sword. Not a one-sided pocket knife, a double-edged sword that can get you from any direction. And what is, its, what is its use? Its use is to bring division between the soul and the spirit. Oh, you got to let that soak in for a minute. The word of God, your Bible, his, his up-to-date spoken word, how he speaks to us, is powerful and living. And it's like a double-edged sword. And it comes into your life and it divides the soul and the spirit. I think that's why we don't like to read our Bibles. Because we don't like to be cut. We don't like to have that kind of a division in our hearts and in our bodies. Amen? It discerns of the thoughts, which is your mind, the intents, which is your will, and the heart, which is your emotions. Now watch verse 13. It says, and there is no, so that's a continuing in the thought that, Paul, that, that the writer was giving us, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. When you read it, it kind of go, huh? How did that thought continue from verse 12? And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open. Hmm. Naked, we know what naked is. 
right? Okay. Right. You were born naked. Okay. All right. What about that word open? You see, in, when, you, when you translate things from the Greek to the English language, the English language is very limited. So when you translate words from Greek to English, sometimes there's not an English word for the Greek word. So the Greek word for open is this word called trachelizo. Trache talks about, is where we get our word uh, trach, trache from, or trach. It, it talks about the throat area. Okay, trachelizo is the Greek word for that word open. It doesn't make real sense. In fact, the definition of it is really strange. Trachelizo is the word that he's using in this verse. Let me give you the Strong's Concordance definition of the word trachelizo. It's to bend back the neck of a victim, to be slain, to expose the gullet of a victim for killing. God has big plans for your soul. He wants to and bring death to your soul. It needs to die. God doesn't want to kill you. He wants to kill what's killing you. He wants to kill the things that are killing you. He wants to kill the things that you're believing that are not true. He would love for all of us to start seeing ourselves like he sees us. And so he does whatever we allow him to do to come in and bring death to the soul because it needs to die. It does not give life. So if you came to church today and you leave with one thing, God's trying to kill you. <laughs> Somebody asked you how church you was, say, man, church was great. What the what the preacher talk about? God's trying to kill us. Really? Yeah, you ought to come here. Sometimes it's crazy. He's trying to kill us. He's trying to trachelizo our soul. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter sixteen. He said, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He gives us three things. You need to deny yourself. You know what that means? That means you tell yourself no. That means like what David did. Soul, be quiet. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Are you seeing it? You're denying yourself. Then he says to take up your cross, which means you're going to die, and then follow after him. Now we do that. That's a beautiful picture of salvation. So we die. We deny ourselves. We take up our cross, and then we follow after him. Beautiful picture of salvation. But here's the deal. That cross that he says that we need to continue to carry is not a one-time thing. Because look at how Luke describes it. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily. I don't like that word daily. My soul don't like the word daily. Because something's got to die in me for, for me to daily take up my cross and follow after him. Why? Because my soul doesn't want to follow Jesus. It don't like where Jesus goes. It don't like what Jesus does. My soul's scrappy. 
He likes drama. Fighting. Paul said it this way. I die daily. I die daily. Which can simply mean this. If I choose not to die daily, that means I live daily. And I'm living from soul and not from spirit. Does that make sense? Why do we need to stay in God's word? Several reasons. One good reason is because it renews our mind. You can only eliminate lies when you bring in truth. Truth is what pushes out the lie. Truth is what kills the lie. It's truth. I need to renew my mind. I need to begin to see how, how, how and what God says about me so that I can start believing it about me and about him. You see, it's easy to think that God's mad at you when you never read the words where he's screaming at you, I love you. It's vital that we stay in his word. And watch this. This written word, it leads to his spoken word. God spoke in this book, but watch this. He continues to speak today. Because this book won't tell you where to eat lunch at, but his spoken word will tell you to go to this place because so-and-so's going to be there and I want you to pay for the lunch. Because they think I'm a stingy God. And I'm going to prove them different today. With your money. <laughs> that I gave you. <laughs> Why daily? For salvation we die once, but for victory we die daily. I want victory. I want to live a victorious life. I'm going to have to die daily. What if... What if you ask God today to kill the things inside of you that are killing you? What if we do that right now? Because you see, I don't want you to just read your Bible. I want you to stay there long enough to let this Bible start reading you. Let it start reading your thoughts your wants and your feelings. What if you ask God to kill the thing that's killing you? What if if, instead of opening the door to the enemy, we open the door to God today and say, Lord, whatever it is inside of me that needs to die, would you bring it? Would you give me strength? Would you give me encouragement? Would you give me wisdom to bring death to that situation in my life? So bow your heads this morning. You don't have to close your eyes because you may want to write some things down. Because I believe the Holy Spirit is going to begin to show you this morning some things inside of you that need to die. It's probably going to look pretty selfish. It'll probably be wrapped in death. It's going to lead to destruction. What is it inside of me, Lord? 
that needs to die. What is it? And I want you to write that down. So we're going to take a minute. Because I believe in every situation we should ask God, what are you saying to me today? What are you saying to me today, God? What needs to die? What needs to die? Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning. Show us. Show us the things that need to experience tracheolizo. What is it inside of me that needs to die? side of that death is life. Remember the words of Jesus, I came that you would have life and that you would have it more abundantly. What if the good life isn't what you think it is? What if the good life, this abundant life, is what God thinks it is? sword to bring division between the soul and the spirit. It's that very sword that brings about tracheolizo in our lives. It's your word, oh God, that comes into my life and begins to kill the things of the soul. It divides what's soulish and what's spiritual. It's your word, oh God, that is the lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You said in your word, Lord, that how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Thank you for your word, oh God. It's not just a religious book that we, that we open up every now and then when we need something. It's a book of life. It is living, it is powerful, and it is sharp. And it is perfect in every way. God, move in us today. Because for some of us today, Lord, the thing that needs to die is the belief that the Bible is just a book. It's just a book that the preacher uses. It's just a book that we go to every now and then. God, that needs to die. And I pray that we come to a place where we realize this is my spiritual food. Without this, I die. Without this, I starve. Without this, I lose. 
but with it, I have victory. Bring us to that, Lord. Help us today. Let your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning. Maybe some of you here today that have never given your life to Jesus and and you've just been existing, just living uh, according to your soul and whatever you can think up until this point, but you realize today that I need to deny myself, take up my cross and follow Jesus. And we want to help you with that today. There's no condemnation for that. The Bible even says that today is the day of salvation. So if today is your day of salvation and it's the day that you're to be born again and that's what you wanted to to decide to do today, I just want to ask you to do one thing. Nobody looking around. Would you just lift your hand real quick? Anybody? So I'm assuming that everybody's born again. Everybody's saved. If you walk out of here today, it's just your eternal salvation, your eternal destination is secure. You see, today is a day of salvation. You don't have to wait any longer. You can surrender today. Anybody that wants to do that, just lift your hands up real quick. If you've done it, great. Praise God. Now, Lord, move in our hearts. Move in our minds. Move in our emotions. Move in us, God. that your word says that the work that you started in us you're faithful to complete it thank you Lord can we just say thank you Lord can we give him a big hand clap this morning we're going to get ready to receive tithes and offerings today and I'm excited to belong to this church excited to be a part of a generous church and as the ushers come forward this morning and you prepare uh, I want to just help you to understand there's there's several ways that you can give. You can give in person here today. You can give online, automated or one time. Or you can give mobily uh, when you text to OSC Eunice or you text to 77977. So there's three ways that you can give. Uh, we believe what the Bible says that we give tithes, which is 10% of our income. And then we give offerings, which is anything above that 10%. That's, the, that's what we live by. That's how, we, that's how uh, we act as a church. Our church is generous. Our church tithes. Somewhere's around 14% now. Uh, we give to missions, local, national, and global missions. So, so some of what you're giving today may end up in Kenya, Afghanistan. It may end up in South Africa. It may end up in Texas. It may end up right here in Eunice. But when you give, know that we give. So, Lord, bless this gift. Bless those that are giving. We thank you for being generous to us. And that when we take on your nature, we're generous too. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me give you a couple of questions.